We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome to the Get the Discharge podcast presented by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. My name is Steven. I am the host, as always, coming to you live on a Saturday morning. Hopefully, you guys are uh, having a good time, having some coffee, whatever the case may be. Uh, we appreciate you tuning in on this uh, Saturday morning. So Tyler is here, as always. Tyler, what's up, man? How are you doing today? I'm solid. I, I don't remember the last time I was this whelmed for a, a primetime matchup for the Chargers, but it just feels like a bye week where you could also lose or win. And, you know, it'll be a game. And as long as the Chargers win it, I'll be happy. But I'm a little flat. You know, I just feel like going into this game, it's just kind of, oh, let's just get it over with and see what happens after this game. Yeah, it's been it's been a little flat uh, on social media, on everything like that throughout the last couple of weeks. So, uh, the Chargers desperately need a get-right game. Uh, we'll see if that happens uh, tomorrow night. Um, specifically, the offense I think needs needs to have you know a consistent four-quarter game to to carry in some momentum going forward uh, throughout the next few weeks. So uh, we'll have our our final wrap-up coverage of this game. We we didn't do our usual pregame show this week. We obviously did our a lot of Chargers Bears talk on the Chargers channel with Brett Coleman and EJ Snyder. So if you missed that, please go check it out. And then uh, we were joined by Arjun uh, for our Thursday show to do kind of a, a trade preview of sorts um, for this uh, upcoming trade deadline that's happening on Tuesday. 
and obviously the Chargers uh, and where they kind of stand. It's, it's been the big debate of buying and selling. Um, and so we wanted to to give kind of all our viewpoints and what we think is, is potentially going to happen this week. So uh, hopefully you missed that one. Um, Tyler, I don't know if you had any other final thoughts about like trade stuff, but th- there is something that I wanted to bring up, but uh, I'll, I'll let you go there first if you want. Does he play for the Bills? Yes. Yes. Yeah, so I you I thought about tweeting it out, and then you tweeted out right about the same time. And so we're on the same page there. I am all on board for the Chargers taking a now we'll see. I don't know what the Bills are asking for. He's young, rookie contract, former first rounder. So I understand why it'd be a bit more pricey, but I'm all for the Chargers going and getting corner Kyrie Elam from the Bills. I understand that there's an aspect of the Bills not wanting to trade to an AFC team. We did just see an AFC West team trade someone to the Bills in Von Miller. Or no, that was a free agent thing, right? That was a free agent thing, yeah. Never mind. Ignore that. Point is, I think that it's a good move for the Chargers as long as, I mean, heck, I don't even really care what the cost is because um, I can't imagine it would be a, a whole lot. Sure. Is he not playing for the Bills? The Bills who lost one of their corners already. You know, Is that problematic? Maybe. Sure. But I'm always a fan of finding what was supposed to be a really good player coming out of the draft, a talented player, um, especially at a position of need. And kind of it's a, it's a low risk, high reward sort of move. He doesn't work out. It's still a rookie contract, but you have so many years of control with this player. If you get him now and sort of like Terrace Marshall, but I think even more so you have more years under your control. And then look next year, I don't know what the corner room is. I mean, Michael Davis is gone. Yeah. Obviously JC Jackson is gone. Uh, Dean Leonard is who knows what they feel about Dean Leonard and John Taylor as future pieces, but I really do feel like those guys are depth and special teams more than starters at this point. We'll see with jaw. And then Asante Samuel Jr. is going to be on the team, but he's never really felt like they're CB1, and he's currently on pace to allow 1,400 yards this season, which is a lot. So the Chargers need to do something and, and reload it at this position in some way. And if this, you know, you, you trade a, I don't know, let's say a fifth. I don't know what he's going to cost, a fourth. And you don't have to take a guy now in the third round of next year's draft, for example, yeah. because you have someone who's very talented in your building. You've got a good look at him. Go for it. I'm all for this one. Whether they do it, I don't know. I don't know if they do because they've been sort of big on let us have our chemistry and let us have our rotation. Yeah. But I I don't I as a fan of the team don't see any issue with this trade. No, I don't either. And we on Thursday talked about like the the idea of of adding a depth cornerback. Like I, I think you could I think we could justify them adding a new starter, but like you mentioned, this team, they, they want to have that consistency with the starting trio. Uh, communication has been an issue to say the least over the first few weeks post JC Jackson trade. So I think that if they're going to be active for trading a potential cornerback, it's going to be somebody who's like a cornerback four or five right now. And, you know, him and Dean Leonard share some, similarities in terms of characteristics but you know at that point you would have michael davis kair elam and uh dean leonard as kind of your three strictly outside corners and then you have asante who theoretically has some flexibility and then obviously just your taylor and he's saying bassy not the greatest room ever right but it's a room that is right for this kind of trade and you know we heard through the grapevine that this chargers front office was poking around the chase claypool situation um, a few weeks ago before he was ultimately traded to the Miami Dolphins. And one of the reasons was that 
not necessarily needing like a starter, but having some, you know, long-term uncertainty at the position, you take a chance on a guy who's a former first round pick and you bring him into your room and you see what happens. Probably doesn't help for this year, but like you mentioned, next year you have just a, a chance at somebody becoming a legitimate starter. This is a cornerback room, like you mentioned, that's very, very uncertain for the future. They also don't have an avenue to like signing a legitimately top tier free agent cornerback because they will have no cash next year. So to me, it just it just makes sense. You know, this is a team that doesn't have cash. It's a team that needs some long term solutions at cornerback. And so for me, I think you make that you make that trade. Um Going back to the draft, that was obviously the draft where the Chargers took Zion Johnson, but there was a ton of buzz leading up to that weekend that the Chargers were interested in one of the cornerbacks of the class. Um, I had heard, obviously, as I tweeted out, that they were interested in Kyler Gordon if he had fell to the second round. They were interested in, you know, he was never going to fall to them, right? But they loved, um, oh my gosh, uh, Derek Stingley. Oh, Stingley. I'd heard that they loved Derek Stingley after his pro day. They were they were very active in the cornerback market and obviously ended up drafting two of them on, late on day three. Um, so I wouldn't be shocked if they had some really positive pre-draft notes on Kyer Elam. Um, Daniel Jeremiah mocked them, mocked him to the Chargers twice leading up to the draft. So did Todd McShay. So there was some common connections going on there and like I just said, they were doing a ton of homework on that cornerback class. So to me, it just it just checks a lot of boxes. Like it really does. It's not a it's not a trade that's flashy. It's not a trade that like Arjun was talking about that's gonna like push your chips in further for this season. It's definitely more of like a long-term solution at a position of need. And it just it, it, it's a flyer, but it's a flyer that I think if you hit on it, maybe not with this coaching staff, maybe next coaching staff, maybe it is this coaching staff. I don't really know. But if you hit and you get him back to what people thought he could be coming out of the draft, then the upside is is a no-brainer for me. Yeah, if this were a discussion before the season started, I think it'd be even more on board. I think a lot of fans would be more on board because we all sure. believed in the defensive back development that was going on with this team. I mean, looking at last year, you know, Zant taking a step forward, Michael Davis taking a big step forward. If you'd watch training camp, my, um, Dean Leonard looked amazing. Jaw Taylor, in theory, we thought was playing better or going to be playing better or stepping up. Hasn't quite worked out. But overall, he felt really good. Alohi Gilman was looking great. I mean, everyone was taking a step forward. Yeah. And so it would almost be like a no-brainer. Now, I, I still am certainly down for it, but I'm less enthusiastic about his chances of really developing over here. But still, he he fits a physical profile. You know, he's an athletic corner. Brett, Brett Coleman suggested that, you know, if the chargers are playing these DBs so far off. It's potentially because of, they don't believe that these guys can move and run and turn with a lot of these guys. And they're just worried that these corners that they have basically aren't athletic enough. I don't think that's the case with Michael Davis, although he's not quite been the same this year. Kair Lam is, is very athletic. That is something he can definitely do. Um, I have not paid attention to his time with the bills really at all outside of that first season where like the seventh round pick was out playing him or something. That's the extent of my coverage and knowledge of what Kair Alam has been doing. Granted, he also hasn't been playing that much. But yeah. I think the Chargers could give it a go. I think they should give it a go, whether they do or not. Who knows? Yeah. Um, he, I mean, he was a healthy scratch on Thursday night. Um, that's kind of where he's at in, in his time with the Buffalo Bills. And the Bills, they don't have Tredavious White. 
They're playing, uh, uh, I forget his first name, but his last name is Benford, who's literally like wearing number 47 for this team. Like that's <laughs> Josh Harris's number. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's wearing number 47 <laughs> as a starting outside corner. Um, and he's playing really, really well. So, you know, the Bills do this thing where it, you have to like earn your time, right? And if you don't earn it, then they're not going to play you. Um, and the guys behind him have have earned more playing time. So it's it's not a stretch to me that the Bills would obviously trade him. Obviously, there's a lot of buzz coming out for this very reason. Uh, they just signed Josh Norman and played Josh Norman over over Kyrie Elam. So uh, I get it. Like it, it, it's not like he's a star. It's just a chance on a long term investment hitting right. And I think mm-hmm. that's why it makes sense. And listen, like if you were for the Chase Claypool trade, and I know there was a lot of people who wanted that trade out there, I think you should be in favor of this trade because to me. It's the same kind of thing. Obviously, Chase Claypool had like an amazing rookie season, but what was Chase Claypool in Chicago? A, a clear lockers locker room distraction, somebody who had very clear effort issues, which have carried over to Miami. But it was like, okay, he's an athletic freak, former first round pick. Like the Chargers need a receiver. Let's take a chance and let's see what happens. And and to me, it's the same logic with Kyrie Elam. So mm-hmm. um definitely wanted to talk about it. There were, like I said, a lot of pre-draft connections between the Chargers and Kyer Elam. Um, I was a fan of his. I don't know. I can't remember where you had him. But um, pre-draft wise, like I think it just tracks that they would be interested in him, whether or not they are willing to throw a fourth round pick or fifth round pick, whatever the cost is at mm-hmm. the Buffalo Bills, then we'll see. But I don't think the Bills would have an issue trading him to the Chargers because it's like, the Chargers are two and four. Like it's not like they're trading him <laughs> to the Chiefs. Like sure, you know the Chargers are not really a threat to the Bills right now. Yeah, the only hangup would be that they do face the Bills later on this season. But sure. again, if they're not playing him, the Chargers also might not be playing him either this year. Again, it is right. kind of a future thing. I don't know that Kyrie Elam walks in and is suddenly starting on this team, barring injuries. I think the Bills would be okay with that risk. Um, yeah, I, I wouldn't mind it if Jaw Taylor either goes down or continues to have a rough start to the season or continues that rough start to the season. You know, who slides inside if Jaw Taylor gets hurt doesn't work out. It's Asante Samuel Jr. And now it's Dean Leonard on the outside. Now, I like Dean Leonard a lot. I would love to see him play in almost like a parallel universe. I'd love to see him give it a go, but he's coming off of injury. Haven't seen him play a lot. Not that Kair Lam is going to be a whole lot better, but he's got talent. Um you would just feel a lot better about your outside depth in that case. Yeah. Yeah. And long-term asset, I think for me is the, yes, is the key thing there. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, let's get to this uh, game. We always talk about the injuries heading into each game on this uh, Saturday show. Um, the big one of the week was obviously Josh Palmer and his status heading into this one. He did not practice on Wednesday or Thursday. He was a limited participant. In practice yesterday, um, he officially is dealing with a knee injury, and he is questionable for this game. Uh, my understanding from the press conferences and everything is that uh, he's basically going to give it a, a, a pregame workout and see where he's at. Um, if he misses this game, the Chargers receiver core is is in a tough spot. Is I you know we'll we'll see what happens there with the the rookies that they don't really throw the ball to very often. Um, but Tyler, what are your thoughts on Josh Palmer's injury status heading into this one? It's such a bummer because it's been the one thing that's really been holding him back from a truly successful season in any kind of role. 
yeah. you know, the concussions, the knee, the ankle, whatever. He's always had kind of one nagging thing. Uh, I, I'm glad he was moved to questionable. I'm glad there was at least some progress here. I just, I don't know. I, I think he'll maybe play in a limited capacity, regardless of the ball, you know, the football moves through Keenan Allen. But like, the, the question really to me is Quentin Johnson. Yes, there's a Josh Palmer injury here, but my question is really about the other two guys. And I'm not entirely certain that Darius Davis just doesn't get more targets or a bigger role in this game. Uh, because every time he touches the football, it's been pretty good. Now, can you can you do that 10 times a game? Probably not, but they tried it four times last game, I think, and it was pretty effective. At least two rushes, one screen, and then maybe another one. There was another target in there where he didn't the sit for something. The screen and then mm-hmm. that target where he kind of ran too far and I think was supposed to stop like four or five yards earlier. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. right. So I think this is an opportunity for the Chargers to maybe do what EJ Snyder was talking about, which is maybe not by significant amount. We don't need to flip to the other extreme here, but just lower the A dot and give Quentin Johnson manufactured touches and just find some of the plays that work. I think Palmer's been great and helped with the A dot increasing and pushing the ball down the field. And we've seen that in several games so far this year, um, back to back to back games, really. But I think the Chargers, like EJ said, need to find what Justin Herbert can hit consistently, manufacture some touches for Quinton Johnston. Have we been saying that for a while? Sure. So to me, you know, like people are asking in the chat, you know, are we kind of over it at this point? Are we still pushing the QJ breakout game? Yeah, I guess this is kind of the secondary you want to try it with, you know, get yourself. Now it's going to go backwards when you face the Jets and, and Sauce Gardner the next week. But yeah, give it a go. Uh, my other question, too, is what Armand uh, mentioned here is, is Jalen Guyton. So he's officially questionable, but he's been a full go all week. Uh, Jalen Guyton was limited on Wednesday, full Thursday, full Friday. Mm-hmm. Uh, same thing with Otito Ogbonia, I think. Uh, yes, same thing for both of them. So we're going to find out. We should find out today. Yeah. Yeah. A little later today, probably because it's a Sunday yeah. game. Yeah. Yeah. So, so they have to. They have to well, actually since it's Sunday night, it might be a little bit different. Actually, um, but theoretically, usually around like twelve thirty-one, we hear about like elevations and things like that. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. Yeah, Jalen Guyton is a big one to watch here too. Uh, just the fact that if if and I keep find, we all keep finding some way to explain what's happening with Quinton Johnson. Partially, it's the usage um, working him down the field to open up things for everybody else. If Guyton is back. You don't have to use Quentin Johnson in that role as much. So that's kind of an X factor here. Yeah, it is. And I think obviously you feel better about Josh Palmer being a little bit injured if Jalen Guyton can give it a go. Um, A a banged up Josh Palmer, probably isolated against Jalen Johnson, uh, very fittingly, uh, former Utah Ute, um, is probably not the matchup you want to attack this week. Granted, Palmer did see a lot of Legereus Sneed and Trent McDuffie each last week, and he had the best game of his career. So I think, like you mentioned, it's a shame that Palmer has been injured because he's really starting to come into his own. Um, you know, he's been awesome for this team, probably the best story of the last two weeks for this team um, alongside Tuli Tui Pelotu. So um, that's unfortunate. We'll see how that one goes. But like I said, uh, most likely going to give it a chance and is a true game time decision. Um, Alohi Gilman 
I guess I should mention Gerald Everett as well. Sounds like he is probably going to play. He was DNP limited and then full. Um, so that's good news there. Um, this tight end room would be in a rough shape if uh, Gerald Everett were not able to play, but it does sound like he's going to to make it out there on Sunday night. Um, Alohi Gilman potentially tracking for his return. He was limited on Wednesday and Thursday and then a full participant yesterday for the first time uh, since the injury. He's dealing with a heel injury, um, officially questionable. Um, to me, this is kind of another X factor because – I went back and I watched this Chicago Bears tape against the Raiders, and I've never, ever, ever seen anything like it from an NFL team before. I've never seen that many jet sweeps before. I've never seen that many screens before. Checkdowns, everything is like short, perimeter-based, and the Chargers are going to need their safeties in particular to play well in this game. Um, that was the biggest issue from the Raiders, in my opinion, is that uh, Epps and Trayvon Merrig took themselves out of angles, took themselves out of plays, and just completely broke contain several times, missed tackles. Um, granted, Deontay Foreman like ran both of them over like three or four <laughs> times. Mm -hmm. um, but safety play was a huge issue for the Raiders. And, you know, Dean Marlowe, I, th I think, has been really good for this team. Derwin James has been solid, but not like super impactful. Mm -hmm. Um, so if you can presumably have your, your three best safeties all on the field together for the first time, I think that helps. And Alohi in particular, like we've seen his tendency to, you know, cause a fumble here and there, create an interception. It just feels like this defense does need kind of a, a spark plug right now. And, and maybe Alohi is that player. Um, so I think Alohi playing is a very underrated X factor for this week. Yeah, he's turned into a playmaker this season when he was healthy, but he always, like you said, there was just something that would happen around Alohi Gilman, either because yeah. of him or luck or whatever, where the football just ends up with him or he forces the turnover. Um, and the Chargers could definitely use that. It, it is strange to think that Alohi Gilman is the multiplier, the spark for this defense. But again, he's, he's kind of earned the right. He's been pretty good for them. So that'd be great. I, I hope he plays in some capacity just so we can ramp up for the Zach Wilson game, um, who I think is pretty bad. Uh, so and, and prone to giving things away. And so Alohi Gilman, you know, ramping up in this game and then getting to play more in full that game would be awesome because uh, I think that's how the Chargers win that game is Zach Wilson turns into, uh, say, 2021. No. What was the year that he played the Pac-12 and got destroyed? Oh, that would have been 2019. Oh, well, I'm way off. Uh, that year, I think that's what will happen, uh, that game. You know, didn't play so hot against some Utah team and UCLA no, or USC or literally no. any of the ranked teams that year. No, that was Long rough. Story. Uh, 2020 was the COVID year, and uh, the Pac-12 obviously canceled their games, and so BYU ended up playing, like, KFC State and, like, all this, like, JV schedule. And that's what led to Zach Wilson getting drafted. But, you know, that's another story for another day. Um, I do want to uh, point this out. Uh, Laos Bruin, uh, aren't the Chargers one of the worst screen defenses? They are. Uh, Arjun had a graph about that this week. Um, the Chargers are allowing explosive plays off of screens at a, at a very, very alarmingly high rate, among other things that they are allowing at a very alarmingly high rate on defense right now. Um, I think not having a Lohi out there has been a, an issue with that. And uh, also just the linebacker play being hyper aggressive with play action is, is a problem with that. The chiefs ran 
that play uh, to Jarek McKinnon where he scored and then it like got called back. I don't know if you remember that. And both uh, Kenneth Murray and Eric Kendricks just like completely overflowed to the football on a play action fake. Mm. And we're not even like close to being in contention for making a tackle on that play. And then by the time they realized what was happening, there was already the wall of chiefs blockers and, I think Jack McKinnon had like 20 yards of green grass before he even had to like make a cut mm-hmm. or like do anything like that. Thankfully the play got called back. Uh, but that, that pass would have made this charger stat much worse than it mm-hmm. already is very bad. Do you remember what the stat was? Cause I know they're giving up 4.8 explosive passing plays per game. I'm sure two or three of them are at least the screens, but yeah, I can only imagine they're not great. Yeah. <laughs> it's a tough, it's a, Tough watch. And mm-hmm. uh, the Bears are very good at screens. So it's yes. kind of one of their strengths right now. Um, and they ran so many against the Raiders. So many. I've never seen that many screens in my life before. <laughs> um, all right, Tyler. Any other thoughts about any injuries or anything like that? Uh, no. I just hope uh, Jalen Guyton and Otito Boni are both, you know, ready to give it some sort of go this game and, and kind of work back to the season. Yeah. will be a lot of fun to see both of those guys out. Obviously, both of them have had an extensive uh, injury uh, recovery process. You know, obviously Otito recovering from a torn patella tendon and then uh, Jalen Guyton having the torn ACL, which um, very, very long recovery for him from that. So hopefully they're okay. Hopefully they're able to give it a go. Um, Just for what it's worth, if they don't play next week, the Chargers would have to put them on season ending into reserve. You have that 21-day window. And if you don't activate them after that 21 days is up, then the players have to go on to injured reserve permanently for the rest of the season. So um, I do expect we'll see both of them, if not this week, next week. Otherwise, Mm -hmm. they just don't have a choice. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, uh, before we get into our game picks of the week, we have our prize picks of the week. We appreciate prize picks for being such a great and wonderful sponsor of the show. Um, they are super easy to use. It's a daily fantasy app where it's just you against the numbers. Um, you, they have great specials uh, every now and then. I saw this week they had uh, a nice LeBron special uh, for if you're an NBA fan. They have some college football stuff, obviously, and NFL stuff. So, we're going to get into some of our Chargers prize picks of the week. 
Um, but this does really help support the show. So if you guys go to pricepix.com slash guilty, use the code guilty at checkout, you'll get a deposit match up to $100 on your first deposit. Like I said, it does really help support the show. Uh, and you yourself can also go make some money. So I uh, highly encourage you guys to go check it out. Tyler, what is your or what are your uh, specific Chargers picks of the week? So they have a lot of defensive players for the Chargers this week. One is Kenneth Murray at six and a half tackles plus assists this week. I think for a Bears team that literally is going to do everything in front of Kenneth Murray, yeah. um, him going sideline to sideline, the way they run the football, the screens. I think there's just so many opportunities, such a high volume of opportunities. Really for they have a line for uh, they have a, a more or less for Kenneth Murray, Derwin James, and Eric Hendricks. Yeah. I think you could go. With any of them, I'm going with Kenneth Murray because I think he's been the most productive for the Chargers this season. So I'll go with Kenneth Murray. More than six and a half tackles. I have Cameron Dicker at more than one and a half field goals made. I think that the offense will move. I don't really have an issue projecting the Chargers offense, at least in the passing game, to do well this week. It doesn't strike. The Bears don't strike me as a team you need to go for it on fourth down against. If it comes down to that, the Chargers are in serious a uh, serious issue this game. I think the Chargers will be fine on offense this week. I'm not saying they'll score 30, but I think you can get two field goals out of it and just keep the points, you know, accumulating quickly would be great, but slowly would be fine. You can kick field goals against the Bears and win, and I think the Chargers will do that this week. So those two I really like. And then if you want to do a fun little special that they have, they have Bo Nix against Utah, and then Justin Herbert, of course, against Chicago at three and a half passing touchdowns. I'll take the more there. Two and two, one and three, however you get it. It's at three and a half uh, touchdowns. I'll go more. Bo Nix versus Utah, Justin Herbert versus the Bears. I think you can get four passing touchdowns out of those guys. I think uh, that's a a fun one. I think most of that will come from Justin Herbert. um, But I think, like I said, the offense will get you there. Uh, Tyler, do you know what your mom is picking this week? <laughs> no, I don't. I actually don't know if she has done <laughs> anything this week, but I know it's it's a random three kickers from different games. I know last week she did the Mahomes over the Herbert under and something else, uh, and she was <sighs> right. So it's her fault. Yeah. So I think I think this game she'll take some of the the Chargers overs, some of yeah. the or the Moors, excuse me, and the the Eagles Moors. So yeah, I think. Uh, for me, Justin Herbert, I think this is a, a get-right game for the offense. Um, I, I share a lot of the concerns about the defense, but I think the problems or struggles with the offense are, are a tad overblown uh, right now on social media. Um, you know, I was listening to several shows this week, the, the Athletic Football Show, the Ringer Show, and one of the things that they both talked about is that scoring just in general is down across the league like at a, at a pretty high rate. And the, the two biggest reasons are lack of explosive plays and red zone touchdown inefficiency. And those are two areas where the Chargers are ranking very highly in right now. Um, they are six in the league in red zone touchdown percentage. Um, if you look at total explosive plays generated, they're kind of, uh, I think they're like 11th. But if you highlight specifically explosive pass plays generated per game, the Chargers are third in that regard, trailing only the Miami Dolphins and the Minnesota Vikings. Um, they're right neck and neck with the Rams right now. Um, so I think that the Chargers offense is pretty close to like figuring this out post Corey, post Mike. I, I really trust what Kellen Moore is doing from a schematic standpoint, from a game plan standpoint. And they're generating explosive plat, explosive passes. They're scoring in the red zone. 
So I think the offense has a really good week. And I think specifically Justin Herbert gets back on track after the, I thought he was okay against the chiefs. I, I do think he was bad against the Cowboys. So I think Justin Herbert gets back, back on track. His line is 265.5. I think you take the more there. And then the other one I like from a bears perspective is Deontay Foreman rushing attempts. That's at 11 right now. Roshan Johnson is coming back. So I understand if, if there's a little bit, you know, skepticism there, but the Chicago bears lead the league in rushing attempts over the last month of the season by like seven attempts per game. Like they're going to want to run the football. Um, last week against the Raiders, Deontay Foreman had 18 rushing attempts and Darrington Evans, their backup had 14 rushing attempts. So I do expect Deontay Foreman to get the football, even with Roshan Johnson uh, coming back from his injury. So Justin Herbert over on the, or excuse me, more passing yards and Deontay Foreman, more rushing attempts are my two plays of the week. Yeah. Love that for Foreman. Absolutely. Another one for talking bears. Uh, I tempted to take any bears more in this game when it comes to receiving options, but Darnell Mooney, it's tough because it's not like they've shown a rapport and that Mooney is a high volume, high target, high receiving yards guy. But he, Darnell Mooney is the guy that spends the most time in the slot for the Bears, about, <laughs> about almost like 70%. Yeah. And I think if you're targeting anybody in the secondary right now, it is Jaw Taylor, who hasn't been great. So 27 and a half receiving yards, that is, frankly, that could just be one or two plays, and that's sort of it. But you're going against a yeah. corner who's been struggling. So I would say Darnell. Arnold Mooney more than 27 and a half receiving yards is is one to keep an eye on for sure. Foreman was the other one that I uh, does it say 11 for you? Yeah, 11. Uh, it says 11 rushing attempts for me. Oh, okay. It was 11 and a half like two hours ago. So oh. interesting. Either way, if it's 11 and a half, I'm still taking the over or the more. It's, yeah, it's still 12 is still the more. Yeah. Yeah. Um, DJ Moore certainly interesting there as well. Um, if the charge is going to play off coverage again this week. I think DJ Moore probably has a good game. Can, can uh, we actually talk about that real quick? Like, what do you think they're actually going to do this week? I think they're going to play the same approach. I do. Like, I, I think that this coaching staff does not, like, they are terrified of getting beat over the top. And some of that, I think, is is a little ridiculous, especially against these teams where they clearly want to yards after catch you to death. So, uh, until the Chargers come out and say, hey, like we're going to press and be physical, like I, I can't confidently say that it's going to change. <laughs> I agree. I was just hoping for something different. You know, I was hoping <laughs> you'd give me some sort of hope here. But no, I 100% agree. So you've got a team two and a half yards A dot. Two and yeah. a half yards. I mean, and yeah. they were like, I think, I think some of them were complicated, some very good outbreaking route sort of stuff from um, Badgen. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, no, it's um, it's rough right now. I do think like I think the safeties will play well enough to like mm-hmm. not have it be as big of an issue. And obviously the the Bears do not have Patrick Mahomes, <laughs> um, so uh, you know, it, I think the defense will be okay. Like I I think the run defense is really the focus this week. Whereas like the Chiefs very clearly wanted to like air it out. Like they mm-hmm. figured out pretty early, like, hey, we can't really run the football on these guys. Like, let's just start airing it out. And, you know, I, I think this is the Bears want to run the football. Like they are going to stick to that. Mm-hmm. So I think the defense will be okay this week. It's not going to be as noticeable, but we'll still like there'll be like a third and four, and the Chargers corners will be 14 yards off the football. <sighs> cool. Well, at least it'll be on prime time. That won't draw any national attention whatsoever. No, 
No, certainly not. All right, uh, let's get to our league-wide picks here. Um, we we love doing this. Obviously, we'll we'll include the Charger scores here. Um, just kind of rounding it off. Uh, if you can scroll to the right a little bit for me, Tyler. Yeah, let me just zoom out here. Okay. Uh, Arjun is 15 and 12. Alex Katzen is 11 and 6. Alex Insdorf, 18 and 9. He got a Chargers pick right last week, so had a good week. Um, Tyler also 15 and 12, and I am also 15 and 12. So, uh, the uh, race to catch Alex is, is a three way tie right now. So, Arjun has his favorite of the week as the Baltimore Ravens over the Arizona Cardinals. Lots of big lines this week. Um, uh, a bunch of teams favored by a touchdown or more. Um, his underdog, he has the Bengals over the 49ers. He's a big believer in Joe Shiesty season, I guess. Uh, wow, as, Arjun. as he likes to say. <laughs> Uh, I don't know about Brock Purdy's status. I think he might be still in concussion protocol, but we'll see there. He has the Cowboys over the Rams. This is either or. And then he actually has the Bears winning uh, this game 24 to 21. Um, that would be a, a train wreck there. Uh, Alex Katzen has the Jaguars over the Steelers. He has the Colts over the New Orleans Saints, the Houston Texans over the Carolina Panthers. This is Chargers winning 31 to 17. Alex Insdorf has the Eagles over the Commanders. I feel like that's always a pretty close game, but we'll see how that one goes. Underdog is the Giants, led by Tyrod Taylor, over the Jets. Let's go, Tyrod. Uh, and he has the Chiefs over the Broncos. I think I just saw that there's going to be like eight inches of snow in that game. Uh, so that would have been nice to know before I made my pick, and I think Alex probably feels the same way. Um, he has the Chargers winning 30-20. to 20. So both Alex's have the Chargers winning by two scores. Uh, Tyler, let's. Uh, what are your picks and what do you have the Chargers score as? Yeah, so I have the Dolphins beating the New England Patriots. I have the Indianapolis Colts upsetting the New Orleans Saints. Saints are a team that can be beat. And I, frankly, I was impressed with what the Colts did last week with Gardner Minshew against the yeah. Cleveland Browns. Who would have thought that that would be the offense and the quarterback to almost take down the Browns and their defense? Um, then I had the Detroit Lions over the Las Vegas Raiders. Raiders got beaten pretty bad by the Bears. I think the Lions are, you know, a little better than the Bears. So I'm going to say that just a little bit. Yeah, uh, they will throw it further than two and a half yards, a dot. So <laughs> or maybe that's how you beat the, the Raiders. I don't know. <laughs> um, so I have Detroit beating the Raiders. For me, I'm going to pick a win. I looked at this earlier and I thought Arjun just had picked that score with the Chargers win. I didn't see that he picked a Chargers loss. There is a part of me that is very concerned about this game and the way the defense has played. I thought I was going to be agreeing with him, but I didn't realize he picked the Bears. I have the same score. I think there's an aspect, one of two things. I think there's an aspect where the defense just flat out gives up three touchdowns and they have to hold things off in the second half, kind of like they have been. Or the Chargers are kind of more comfortably winning this game than the score would indicate. And then the Bears score something last minute or whatever. So uh, I, I don't trust the Chargers defense to do anything less than 21 points. So I will go Chargers win 24-21. And thank you, Arjun, for picking the Bears to win, because I believe Stephen will be picking the, the Chargers to win, but we'll see. Yes, I, I am picking the Chargers to win, and that keeps us from being a clean sweep. So I agree about the defense. I do think that the defense is going to continue to struggle because what the Bears are doing really, really well right now is motion and you know just being physical and stretching you out horizontally, and that's a lot of what the chargers linebackers struggle with so uh that was a key issue also against the 
Las Vegas Raiders or for the Las Vegas Raiders, I should say. Um, so this is a really important game for Kenneth Murray to show that he can uh, stay on his P's and Q's and stay on, on his assignments and be able to read and react at a high level. If he and the safeties can play well, then I think the Chargers defense can can hold up. Like it's really that simple for me. The Bears offensive line, um, they block the run very well, but they're allowing pressures at a pretty high rate. Um, so I do think that if the Chargers could get out to an early lead, force the Bears out of their game script, then the Chargers pass rush can can be able to tee off and and get some pressure on Tyson Bajan and things like that. But if this stays like a neutral script or if the bears are still kind of close um and they can continue to run the football continue to screen game all these things then i think the defense can be in a bit of a tough spot so i think the offense will be fine i really expect kind of a breakout performance from the offense but i don't trust this defense to Mm -hmm. uh win by two touchdowns like i i just i can't get there right now um so i am gonna say that the chargers win and I'm going to say 27 to 20. Oops, not 270. Hello, 27 to 20. Uh, so this is this is strictly a defensive thing for me. The Chargers are averaging 24 points per game. I would be stunned if this number is not at least 27 this week, personally, mm-hmm. because I think this is a get-right game for the offense. Yeah, I think one of the things that's sticking out in my mind, and maybe Arjun sort of feels this way with the loss, is that... EJ Snyder pointed out perfectly where the Bears just rallied behind Bajent and they played. Yes, it showed on tape all the way. Like they were, because I watched the game live with my dad and they just could not stop picking up yards after contact. And they talked about, EJ talked about how um, Darnell Wright had like a, a hurt, injured arm, but they were working together and, yeah. and trying to like move Max Crosby. And they were, and they were physical and they were inspired and generally mistake free. So there's an aspect of this where there's kind of an emotional, hey, us against the world, let's do it for this guy thing that's going on with the Bears right now. And they're going to fight. And I think that the Chargers, or not Chargers, Chargers fans, and maybe even myself, wrote off the Bears after that Chiefs loss because that was awful. But the the Bears, with their health, and now we'll see with, with Bajent here, have really started to become a better rushing attack a better defense. I think they're like the seventh defense over the last three weeks, which sure, anyone in the comments can say, well, it's because they played Brian Hoyer and they played Kurt Cousins, but so did the Chargers. And that doesn't (laughs) always work out. So it doesn't mean that's always a good defensive day for you. So yeah, there's an aspect of this where the Bears get some sort of emotional edge here. Um, Let's try. Thankfully, I think Bears fans don't travel well. I don't know. It's not exactly like it's a heyday Bears team to go watch. I don't know yeah. how much money you're spending to travel from Chicago to LA to watch 2.5 yard a dot, but uh, who knows? Maybe it's fireworks because of this defense. So I, I just, we'll see. I think this Bears team is going to be playing very inspired, and I hope the Chargers have their emotional edge too. Uh, for what it's worth, the Bears fans did take over Allegiant Stadium last year. That was early on in the season, um, but they had a a really nice showing in Las Vegas. Uh, that was. You know, obviously Justin Fields, a team I feel like was maybe a little bit more competitive, but um, yeah, man, this this Bears offense rallied around Taysom Bajan for sure. Um, I thought that generally speaking, they had a, a really really smart uh, game plan against Max Crosby. It was a lot of jet sweeps and screens the opposite direction of him, um, and basically any true like drop back, 
they had a chip ready for him. They had a double team ready for him. Like they were still, they were really, really smart against him. Um, he still had five pressures and a sack and then another quarterback hit. Like he still played well because he's Max Crosby. Um, but I thought they were really smart about it. Um, you know, this is one thing that maybe is an underrated storyline here. Kalumak did play for the Bears. Mm-hmm. The Bears did trade him away. This might be a special Khalil Mack game. I don't think it'll be six sacks, but uh, like I think we have a pattern from Khalil Mack of what he lo- thinks about his former teams. So I do <laughs> expect Khalil Mack to have a have a good game this week. And um, you know, I talked about needing a spark, right? Maybe that's a low he going. Maybe that's a Khalil Mack great revenge game again against his other former team. Awesome. Uh, let's see. How many snaps did Cleo Mack play last game? Because I feel like someone had to suffer the snap count. Was that more of a Thule thing or? It was more of a Thule thing. Okay. Gotcha. Just curious. Yeah, so he uh, went from, and then Mack went from about 55 plus on the season to 45. So. Yeah. We'll I think everybody kind of, kind of took a step back. Um, Joey Bosa is obviously off the injury report this week. Um, he mentioned that he expects an increased workload as well. Um, so the toe must be feeling good for him. I think that did show up on, on tape that I watched. Um, you know, Joey caught a lot of flack on Sunday for the, uh, during the game, but I thought like on film, it was his best game of the season so far. I thought he had some really clean wins against Donovan Smith and Jawan Taylor. I thought he defended the run. Well, um, obviously he didn't get a sack, but he had a, a great quarterback hit on Patrick Mahomes. So I think we're seeing Joey get healthier. And I think that's, that's starting to show up on tape. Good. Good to hear. There was, it felt very 50, 50 on Joey where I felt like half the fans saw the impact during the game, even though it wasn't like a sack and the other half were, you know, drawing him on milk cartons, wondering where he was. So (laughs) I I felt that was more of the former. Yeah. So it was, it was basically looking at the snap counts. It was basically a three-way split between the three of them. Khalil had 45 total snaps. Um, Joey had 40 and then Thule had 39. So um, I hope that's kind of what we see going forward. Um, and I would love to see them particularly be on the field together more often uh, going forward as well. Arjun tweeting out his uh, most disruptive pass rushing uh, quartets and the Chargers quartet of the three edge rushers and Morgan Fox is in the top five, but they've only been on the field together for 12 total plays this season. So I would love to see that uh, quad going forward on the field more often for the Chargers. Mm-hmm. all right uh we'll get to some questions here i have to also tell you guys obviously about little caesars and Ticketmaster, our two other sponsors of the season um obviously pizza and football go together just like keenan allen and justin herbert on game day you're able to use the pizza portal pickup and get some get your hands on some tasty slices you can also order delivery uh so we strongly encourage you to make little caesars a, the national uh, sponsor of the NFL and the Los Angeles Chargers, a part of your game day experience. And then Ticketmaster, obviously the best and easiest way to get access to Chargers tickets. Speaking of Chargers tickets, we have a giveaway going up on our Twitter page for two tickets tomorrow to tomorrow's game. Um, instructions there are on our Twitter page, so please go check that out. Um, you'll be able to use Ticketmaster, scan in with the wallet, and able to uh, just use Ticketmaster for an easy entrance to game day. So appreciate Little Caesars and Ticketmaster for sponsoring the show. Yep, got two tickets to Section 231 primetime game. Honestly, 
this is the, as good as a game as you're going to feel going to for the Chargers to win. So I would highly recommend entering in that giveaway because after this, not entirely sure if you want to go see the Ravens game or the Bills game or the Chiefs game so or even the Detroit Lions game. So I think this is a good one to go enter in on. Yeah, I was hoping that this game would get flexed out of primetime and I probably would have <laughs> gone if it had. So it didn't. Uh, I'm not able to go to primetime games because I have to work the next Monday and, and it's just kind of kind of a, a trek out. So it is what it is. All right, Tyler, we'll get to some of these questions here. We have a super chat from Reality Check. Appreciate him uh, for jumping in here and getting us started. He says, what is the problem with our two-minute offense? Too much five-wide mm-hmm. spread considering the protection issues? And why doesn't Herbert scramble and avoid blitz pressure in two minutes? He just eats sacks. What are your thoughts here? I'd have to see how many timeouts maybe they had in those situations. Uh, Herbert's an interesting... I don't think he's a good scrambler i think he's good in the pocket and i think he's a good runner i don't know how to like like patrick mahomes scrambling is different you know what i mean like the way that he scrambles and moves more so laterally i think is very very different um i think herbert is just not a great scrambler which is a a surprise get a good runner not a scrambler if that kind of makes sense um too much five wide considering the protection issues maybe it's tough because there's not one thing I could even sit here and tell you that is the issue. It's, you know, maybe it's an over-reliance on Keenan. Maybe it's not going to Quentin Johnston. Um, I think they could lean on Austin Eckler a bit more in these situations. If it came down to it, they haven't. Yeah. And I don't recall the last time they really just, you know, not that a check down screen is the greatest thing to do all the time, but it is safe. And if Eckler is now healthy, and I think he is, you can rely on that a bit more. So I would just say, yeah, maybe let, lean on Eckler a bit more in these situations or any other pass catching back. You know, you don't have to get everything back. I don't recall the last time Herbert had only like 45 seconds to get everything done um, or like 30 seconds that he had to get it all in one play. I feel like you could chip away a bit more before taking the risky throws. Yeah, I think the Miami game was the shortest amount of time they had in like a gotta have it situation. But um, I, I think the the five-man routes is is potentially an issue, I think. You know, like you mentioned, the shorter passes, like those need to increase. Like I think um, Tony Romo in, against the Chiefs kind of highlighted this. Like the most important thing in your two minute drives is that you get the ball going. Like it's not that you are creating explosive plays. It's not that you are, are going to score a touchdown. The most important thing is that you get the ball moving down the field and then you can see what happens as you go. Um, and I think that's just kind of more of the approach I would like to see in these situations. Like you mentioned, Austin Eckler, I feel like watching these two minute situations, it's a lot of like, let's go make a big play. Let's go win the game. Like, let's be aggressive. And I, I, I would like to see them take a step back and just get the ball moving down the field and, and, you know, have a little bit more rhythm in these situations. Um, one thing that they are struggling with in these these moments is the stunt protection. I've talked about this with Jamari Sawyer and Trey Pipkins. It feels like every single fourth quarter drive, the the two of them have a stunt issue and they, they miss it, whether that was against uh, um, Harold Landry and Jeffrey Simmons or whether that was against, um, man, I'm really blinking on names right now, Jalen Phillips or Max Crosby, Micah Parsons, all these guys have mm-hmm. made the Chargers pay on a stunt pickup. And so that's, that's one way you can one way you can mitigate that is having more six man protections. You have your tight end chip somebody or your running back stays in protection. Um, so I, I think it's it's a bunch of issues, but I think 
first and foremost, I think they just need to focus more on moving the ball down the field first. And then Mm -hmm. once you get going, then you can try and hit some big plays. But I think it's like against the Titans, like they came out on the first play of overtime and it was like a, it was like their go-to scissors route concept. And they're trying to hit Keenan like 15, 20 yards down the field. And it's like, you don't need to do that. Like just, just get going, get the drive started. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think that's a good call uh, moving forward. Yep. Ooh, apparently Brock Purdy cleared concussion protocol. Interesting. Mm. I think mm. that means he's like the first player this season to clear, clear concussion it. protocol in the same week. Interesting. Uh, get through some more questions and let's see another super chat. Bolt Lounge, goodness gracious. I haven't seen Bolt Lounge in here in forever. Hey, uh, any chance we target Josh Oliver or is that a staple for the Vikings now? Are the Vikings officially sellers or do they feel like they're I feel like the Vikings could sell Daniel Hunter because he's like not in their long term mm-hmm. plans. Like I think that much is clear. Um, but like there was talk previously, like they were, you know, gonna take calls on like Jordan Hicks and um Harrison Smith and like basically like any key player. They just be the 49ers and it like looks pretty good. Um that NFC six and seven spots are pretty wide open. So I think set like legitimate fire sale is probably off the table, but I, I still could see Daniel Hunter get moved because he's an expiring contract. Uh, he leads the league in sacks right now. So that one I can see. I would love Josh Oliver. He's a stud blocking tight end. He's definitely what the Chargers need. The Vikings just signed him to a three-year deal, though. So I think that's probably off the table for, for any trade target. Mm-hmm. Agree there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Super chat just in from Christian Hernandez. What do you guys think about the coaches finally collaborating this week? Uh, And I guess he's not a fan of Mike Williams, which uh, tough comment there considering he just had his ACL surgery, but uh, coaching, coaching collaboration comment. What do you, what did you make of that? I I can't tell. Uh, I think I've been tweeted as much. I can't tell whether I shouldn't care or I should just be annoyed with the comment. You know, some people are saying, well, you know, Eckler, you know, he's just saying this because he didn't get his contract. I don't know. I just, you keep hearing these, these things just keep being said. And it's just a compiling thing for me, maybe even just more than the individual comment. Um, I'm sure we'll get a follow-up to this that said the comments were overblown, just like his, I have no choice but to trust this regime or whatever comment that he had to follow up on last week. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about this comment. I don't like that it came out. I don't like that it was said. And it just it just adds another log to the fire is what it feels like. Um, that's kind of how I feel about it. Yeah, Austin Eckler kind of talked about this all week long. Uh, he was on the Dan Lovatard show yesterday and was asked about it. Um, I can just hear the frustration coming from Austin Eckler. And I get it. Like, the, like he knows... His situation is probably predicated on the Chargers doing well. And he's also not producing. He's not being targeted right now. So I can understand why Austin Eckler is frustrated. Um, the finally collaborating part, I disagree with. We were at training camp and I saw with my own eyes that Brendan Nugent was with the running back room, uh, working on drills in training camp. Um, so the way that he worded this, I do take an issue with because it's not an accurate representation. Um, he tried to clarify later on in the quote that, 
you know, they, they collaborate in the meeting room, but it's not always on the field. And it's like, yes, like when the running backs go off to do their position drills, the <laughs> offensive line sure. are on the opposite end of the field also doing position drills. Mm-hmm. So I, I just, I honestly kind of take an issue with Austin Eckler with this thing. Mm. Like to me, he's painting a very poor picture of the Chargers offensive coaching staff specifically. Uh, and to hear that the way that he worded this, I take an issue with because mm-hmm. I've seen with my own eyes that Brendan Nugent is very involved with the run game, with the pass protection plan, and he's a very collaborative coach. And so for him to say this this week, I think is it's an Austin Eckler issue for me. Mm. I think there are legitimate coaching gripes to be had, but talking about the offensive line coach finally collaborating with the running backs, that, that didn't sit well with me. Yeah, and it's also a staff that I know it's not perfectly held together over the last few years but it's a lot of the same faces a lot of the same guys together so we don't hear about issues of collaboration beforehand and then now they don't collaborate like they've been this is their third year for a lot of these guys outside of kellen moore and i can't imagine kellen moore's like just kidding we're not gonna work (laughs) together on this so hey fuck off and go hang out over there (laughs) that's not happening listen whatever makes the passive protection work if that's what he has to say fine Yeah. Uh, again, there's a lot of frustrations with the coaching staff. I get it. To me, like singling out the offensive line coach for this, like Brendan Nugent, like the vast majority of his job is coordinating the run game. Like that's what an offensive line coach does. Like to try and single out that the offensive line coach is finally collaborating to me was was a little bush league by Mr. Austin Eckler. Hmm. Just my my two cents. Um. A lot of comments, not questions. Uh, did you have a bold prediction for this game, Tyler? Courtesy of Nimbus so, I'm never doing a Gerald Everett, Travis Kelsey stat line again. <laughs> that doomed me in about four seconds. Hey, ever had a good game, though. He did. He, he actually had a, a solid game. Almost had a touchdown there. Unfortunately, got hurt. Bold predictions. Um, Quentin Johnson has three catches. Oof, I hate that that's a bold prediction. <laughs> but, yeah, I can see it. Oh, um... Bold prediction. I'll say Joshua Kelly over 100 yards. Mm. I, I love. I've loved watching Joshua Kelly on tape. I know he had the dud against the Vikings, but I think Joshua Kelly is having a really, really good season. Um, and again, I wish we could highlight more stuff like that. Um, but he's. 13th right now in yards per contact after attempt among all running backs. And he's 13th in runs that have gone for 10 yards or more. So Mm. Joshua Kelly, I think we'll see that uh, show up on Sunday night too. There's the big touchdown is obviously the big run of the day, but I love the one where he bounced to the right and just outrun the outran the defense, the right side. I think he got like eight yards or something or nine yards. Love that. Like that's a, that's the healthy, good rushing Joshua Kelly that we were used to seeing early in the season. Uh, Alex pointed out that Bajan has the Heineke gene. He totally does. He totally does. What are some scrambles? Uh, it's just kind of like this. The to me, it's just kind of like the scramble playmaking ability. Mm. Um, I obviously did not watch Shepard tape, and I never <laughs> watched Shepard <laughs> offensive tape. Uh, but there were a couple times where he like scrambled, created a nice play, um, ran for a first down, and like did like the first down sign, and like. 
there were three like he ran for a first a first down against the Raiders and like Cole Komet and Darnell Wright and Darnell Mooney like all ran up to him and like were hyping him up like he had just scored like a game when he touched down it was like a 12 yard run at midfield um so he, he definitely has just kind of like that very like polarizing mm, gotcha. i'm gonna make some play with my legs kind of nature to him mm. from kiyoki butler do you guys feel comfortable beating the jets if we only beat the bears by one score i don't feel comfortable beating the jets regardless of what happens on sunday night. <laughs> that's that's kind of how i feel i just want to escape this one with a win i almost don't really care what the score is yeah uh would the jets game be a potential Corey Lindsay return game uh theoretically if he's healthy that would be uh the fifth game he has to mm -hmm. miss four games which is this sunday against the bears theoretically he could return uh we have not gotten any updates though yeah, as Anderson points out, the Jets just beat the Bills. Their defense is awesome, and Sauce Gordon is going to clear concussion protocol. He did, um, and I forget the other player. They're playing well. We they have to go to New York, East Coast game. Uh, Robert Sala has that defense playing pretty freaking well right now. Yeah, they've got a lot of talent on that defense, and I, I think there's I think there's an aspect of two defensive guys getting hired in the same cycle that is kind of in play here too. Yeah, the, the Jets are so loaded at pass rusher that they're actively trying to trade Carl Lawson, who had like 60 <laughs> pressures for them last year. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> that defense is ridiculous. It's going to be very difficult for the Chargers offense to get things going that game, especially without Corey, especially without Mike. Justin should theoretically be healthier. But that's that's kind of a game that like you win probably like 17 to 14 16 to 13 mm -hmm. and i like even against zach wilson i just don't i don't have confidence that this defense can win that kind of game yeah well the chargers have given up consistently whoever the number one is the receiver 100 something yards every single game now granted it was more of a travis kelsey tight end thing but garrett wilson is awesome and i don't know if the chargers can hang with him at all so yeah i, I don't feel great about that game they would have okay if they destroy the Bears in this game, I'll feel better, obviously. But again, none of us picked that, and Arjun picked them to lose. So, yeah, if this is if tomorrow night is a game that the Chargers win like thirty to fourteen, like three scores, maybe I'll feel a little bit better. But mm -hmm. I I don't think that the Chargers win this game tomorrow like that, and I just think that the Jets defense is amazing, and they mm -hmm. give they. They are great at the areas that the Chargers have struggled with, specifically like stunt pickup, specifically like defensive line depth, specifically like, you know, game plan management and like shutting down a wide receiver one and like, what are your answers after that? So it's, it's going to be a tough matchup for the offense. So if the Chargers are going to win, the defense has to like really pick up the slack that week. And I just, mm -hmm. I, I don't know if that's going to happen or not. Yeah. We'll and there. it's a away game. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They've, I feel like the Chargers have never really played well, like super well in New York for some reason. I don't know if I'm, I'm making that up or not, but maybe I'm associating like some of the previous playoff losses, but those were at home. I don't know. I just like, I, I can't really remember like a true standout game against a New York team. They had to. Well, yeah, I don't know in New York because obviously they beat the Giants pretty good two years ago but that was at home i think 
the Jets were at SoFi, Herbert's rookie year, and that was an absolute Joe Flacco. Yeah, Taylor like, Kemba had the pick out. six. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think Giants and Jets were both at home. I think it's what Steven's referring to. Away, I, I don't remember even the last time they played. The last time they played with the Giants away. Rivers. Yeah, I know because Alex went to a Chargers Giants game in 2017, 2018, maybe. It was like a Hunter Henry game. It was after Odell got hurt. Hmm. But either way, I don't know. I just like I I just think this is a very difficult matchup for the Chargers, and they're gonna have to figure out other ways to win besides the offense. And anytime <laughs> we've seen that happen, it's not been good for this team. Yep. Yep. All right. Uh, Tyler, did you see any other questions that you wanted to hit on before we head out of here? No, I think we've covered most of them. Some people are, oh, wait, here we go. Just kidding. Christian Hernandez, how awesome and fun is Darius Davis? So cool to have an explosive player like him. Yeah, it really is. I mean, the Chargers continue to justify that selection so much. Could you have waited longer for a return specialist? Sure. But specifically utilizing him in the offense that they have? Awesome. Like, it's it's been a really solid pick for them. Yeah, and I think it's it was such a big need for them to find like a legitimate gadget player. Um, that was never really what DeAndre Carter was going to give them. It was kind of a struggle. Um, you know, uh, Andre Roberts wasn't really that guy. So Darius Davis having basically one explosive play every week is huge for this team. Uh, last week he had technically two, I believe. Uh, the jet sweep is technically a run, and so that counted for more than 10 yards, which counts as an explosive run. So it's a really good way for them to create some explosive opportunities. Obviously, against the uh, Raiders, that's how they kind of got the game going was with the the Darius Davis screen. And those are concepts that I really enjoy watching from Kellen Moore. Mm. Um, this week against the Chiefs, I thought he had a great job because it was like a play-action fake to Eckler. And then initially it looked like he was going to like – so like he play-action fake to the left, looked to the right, and then back to the left, and Eckler was like leaking out. And the weak side linebacker and the nickel corner both like really flew hardcore to Eckler. And then they came back to Darius Davis, hit him on it. And he had a great cutback lane, um, made a huge play out of it. So not huge, but it was like a 15, 18 yard gain. Mm -hmm. And that really got that drive going. So uh, the screen game was a huge weakness under Joe Lombardi. And I think Kellen Moore is, is kind of uh, rectifying that change. It's been a, it's been a nice thing to see him get Darius Davis involved that way. Yeah, it seems like he's been a beautiful tendency breaker for them too, or create a tendency that is broken the following week. Like he is a great, let's put this on film, change it up, and surprise yeah. the defense. So we have something completely different this week, I'm sure. Yeah. There was a lot of freaking out about Kellen Moore's quote about Darius Davis and Quentin Johnson this week. <laughs> he was specifically asked about gadget plays and how mm -hmm. Darius Davis has earned that role. Just gadget plays. Like I want to make it very clear that they were not talking about getting Darius Davis like starter reps over Quentin Johnston. Like that's a very different conversation. Basically when the chargers get into like actual real offensive schemes, Darius Davis is not on the field. So again, Darius Davis is their gadget player. And that's basically all he is right now, which is great. Yeah. He's mm -hmm. doing well in that role. And I expect that to continue going forward. Yeah. I think it feels like he makes such a bigger impact or he's on the field more, but then you look at the snaps and it's like, 10 12 yeah like it's, it's but he makes and they're almost all in the first half he's very yes. rarely playing in the second half yes which correlation to the, how they're playing potentially 
So there's always context behind the quotes that come out that is missing. Surprise. Surprise. All right, you guys. Uh, that's going to do it for us today. We will uh, be going live tomorrow night after the game is over. Uh, so we will be uh, hopefully doing that after a nice get-right game for the offense. We'll see how that one goes. Um, <laughs> so stay tuned for that one. should be shortly right after the game is over. Um, like I mentioned, we are giving away tickets to the game. So please go check that out on our Twitter page uh, if you have uh, not yet uh, signed up to do that. Um, free tickets, love to give them away to somebody who hasn't been to a game before, hasn't been to a prime time game before. Um, but it is random at the end of the day. So, uh, Tyler, any final thoughts before we head out? <sighs> no, that was a nice deep sigh. <laughs> I, I, I'm done. <laughs> Let's just win this game. <laughs> All right, man. Uh, appreciate uh, Tyler for jumping on with me. Appreciate the guys for giving their picks and all that. I uh, hope your college teams win, unless you are an Oregon fan. Uh, we are not friends this week, uh, but it's okay. I love you regardless. So uh, go Utes. It was fun to see them this morning. Um, all right, guys. That's it. We'll see you tomorrow. As always, bolt up. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.